happy, 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 happy Thursday, everybody. I don't think no introductions needed. You know, it's another Bucks therapy session for me. Um, Jacob was supposed to be on here, but about, you know, 15 minutes, not even, I think, 10 minutes before we were set to record. Um, Jacob's dog, Memphis, was uh, was going apeshit. Um, I know the feeling. So, so Brett, it's, it, it, it's you and I once again, my friend. How are we doing? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Okay, all well, things considered? Yeah, I mean, so, yeah. Uh, here, here, here's how my night went last night. You know, I was feeling good. I came home from work. My kids were a little fussy. My Mrs. Bucks and Six went back to work for the first time um, yesterday during the day. So I came home. Kids were fussy. Immediately turned on ESPN. I think I got home. When I got home, it was 8 to 8. And then um, I see Doris Burke is doing the game. No offense, Doris Burke. I love Doris Burke. I have to be in the right mindset to listen to Doris Burke because I think, Brett, you even commented on it. Um, I think she loves every single player. <laughs> and, and and every move that they do, I, I swear, like, it's like the greatest move ever. So wasn't really in that mood. So I took the kids, we got in the car and we listened to the, um, the legendary Ted Davis, for those of you that don't know. And he's, he's, he's not afraid to call out the Bucks. So it's something that I enjoy. So we listened to the second and third quarter. Yeah. Uh, you know, a little, little, little bit upset, a lot of, a lot, lot of turnovers and then got home for the fourth quarter. Well, watched that was okay. This is this is really gonna happen. We're really gonna go down um 02. So put the kids to bed. And then um yeah, went down in the basement, ripped a couple shots, a lot of shots. Um, <laughs> drinking alone is always healthy. And then I said, you know what? I'm good, man. I'm gonna go watch this this Oklahoma City Houston game seven. Like I I've never wanted Chris Paul to to beat a team more in my life. And then Brett, I made the dumbass mistake of going on social media. And that just made me way more mad than I was even when the Bucks lost. And, and let me kind of explain this. So I am stunned on how big of a pass that Giannis is getting. I, I know like, and we can talk about Richard Jefferson and his comments and some other comments, but all I saw was that people whose, whose opinions like I really value is that Mike Budenholzer didn't make enough adjustments. He needs to leave because the supporting cast isn't that good. Well, I saw that and I was like, really? You know, we, we, and I saw someone after game one said Chris Middleton isn't a good enough, a good enough secondary player after Chris Middleton played the best on the Bucks after game one. And, you know, in game two, Eric Bledsoe had 16 points. Brooke Lopez had 16 points. Chris Middleton had 23 points. George Hill had 14 points. I thought Wes Matthews played phenomenal defense on Jimmy Butler. But once again, man, I, I mean, I'm going to go back to it. I think it starts and ends with number 34. And And in game one, he took 12 shots. In game two, he had 18 shots, and he shot much better from the free throw line. He was 9 for 13. But, Brett, do you remember? There was 44 seconds left in that game, and Giannis was at the free throw line. And do you remember what he did? Yeah, he uh, almost airballed it, right? Yeah, he, he, he missed two free throws. Yeah, and he, one, of them, one, of them, one of them barely hit the rim, and then he back rimmed, then he back rimmed to the second one, if I remember correctly. Yep, yep. And every time he's short, you can almost guarantee that he's going to back rim it. And I'm just – confused at why this man and look dude I, I love Giannis he's my favorite player in the NBA he's he, he he's 25 years old he's only going to get better like I, I do think in in due time he's going to figure this out this mental hurdle that he kind of has but I, I just don't understand why he gets a pass and, and why is it Mike Budenholzer's fault and, and shout out to um our boy Fady I, I he's a huge Raptors fan I've been on his podcast before you know, he kind of asked me, he kind of set me off a little bit and, and it's all in good fun. But I said, where does, so coach Bud has to, and 
he needs to make improvements, but he has to scheme to get Giannis open. Well, what is that bullshit? He's the back-to-back MVP defensive player of the year award winner. Did did Mike Tantoni have to scheme to get Steve Nash open? Did did Steve Kerr have to motivate Steph Curry? Did Phil Jackson have to go to Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant? Hey, guys. Or even Shaq, for that matter. Hey, guys. It's the fourth quarter. Do you guys want to wake up and take over? Like, I, I'm just stunned that this dude is is getting a pass right now. And 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 I think you guys know for you, Brett and Jacob and, and, and kind of everybody listening, I'm a ride or die Bucks fan. I'll always be a Bucks fan. I, I'm a homer at times, but I also call it straight. This dude isn't going to get a pass with me. It, it, what, what we're seeing from Giannis is, is all-star level, not even a starter, all-star level Giannis. And if the Bucks want to win this series, he needs to be MVP Giannis. And, and to me, that's what's missing. Uh, the supporting cast has been great. I, I, at least I think I thought Bledsoe was, was, was really good last night, but I think the question, and again, he's 25. I, I do think he'll figure this out, but I think the question shouldn't be, is Giannis's supporting cast good enough? I think the question should be, can you win a title with Giannis as your number one option? Mm-hmm. And as we've seen from the Eastern conference, I mean, this is just brought, all this is, is a replay of the Eastern conference finals from, from last year. And Giannis, and if we want to throw Budenholzer in there, they had 15 months to figure this out. And it's the same thing that we've seen. I could, it's the same script, you know, granted when I hick, because you know, Brett, 8, 8 PM is bath time and feeding time in my household. So I, I recorded, I left to go do that with three minutes left. So then I came back and obviously my phone was blowing up and then I, I rewatched the last three minutes, but I mean, at three minutes, Giannis had four points once again in that fourth quarter. And I know he finished with 11, but I know some of them was he had he had two free throws um, before he missed them. I think he had a dunk in there. But I mean, dude, what I I said it yesterday. It, it was too little, too late. I mean, the, this dude has to put his stamp on the game right when the game starts and not let up until the game ends. And you know, we we can get into some of the some of the other stuff. And as I did in the Eastern Conference Finals, I mean, shout out to Miami. My Toronto deserved to beat Milwaukee last year, and Miami deserves to be up to nothing. Even if Milwaukee would have won this game last night, I would have said that they escaped one and they deserve to be down to nothing. Credit Miami. I mean, they, they're, they've been, they've been great, but I look at this game and it's just a microcosm of the Eastern conference finals. And, and these first two games is the bucks are, I just think they're in their own head mentally. And it, it's frustrating. They don't even look like they they're in the same league as Miami and they cut down on some of the turnovers, but they still had 14 and many of them were unforced turnovers. I, I mean, it, it's just, and I think I saw three or four at the top of the key on just a weak, soft, you know, dribble handoff that Miami just jumped and no one was being, it just looks like they don't even want to be there, man. It's, I shouldn't say they, it looks like Giannis is just mentally something's going on with him. And I don't know if it's being in the bubble. I, I don't think it is. I'm not going to use that as, as an excuse, but it just seems like, man, like, dude, I don't know. I'm not going to say he's scared because I don't think he's scared. But, like, mentally, he just doesn't know what to do. It, it, he's completely flabbergasted. And you would you would think, Brett, and I'll, I'll shut up here and get your thoughts. You would think with 15 months in between that Toronto series and this series that he would have figured something out by now. And it's just disappointing as a Bucks fan that he hasn't figured it out yet. Yeah. He's still got the same weaknesses that he had then. Right. And maybe yep. he's I, I would say he's gotten better, you know, at his strengths. Like overall, he's a better player. He's gotten better at what he was already good at, but he hasn't done much to correct 
his weaknesses. And having the weaknesses that he does, namely outside shooting, um, free throw shooting, any kind of shooting really um, outside of about 12 feet, that leaves him a lot more susceptible, I think, to uh, opposing coaches game planning against him in a playoff series. And I think we sort of saw this uh, with Harden as well. And I think that's one of the reasons, probably the main reason Harden has struggled so much in the playoffs over the years and Harden has very different, a very different game than Giannis. Obviously, he's he's a great shooter, but uh, but he's very unique in what he does. And I think Harden's susceptible to game planning too, more so than other guys. Whereas if you look at somebody like Kawhi Leonard or Kevin Durant, you can't game plan against those guys. No, um, you no. know, they, they, like they can they can beat you from anywhere. But you can game plan against Giannis and against Harden. And in a regular season game. Game planning is different, man. Like we all know it goes to another level in the playoffs. And I think that's where you see these guys struggle a little bit. But the thing with Giannis, and I think one of the reasons he's getting a pass, I guess, like you said, is because he put up 29 and 14. So if you just look at that, right, 29 points, 14 rebounds, 10 of 18 shooting. Like if you just look at that, it's like, well, he did his part. But we watched the game and, and you know that was a quiet 29 and 14. Right. And you and you know, he could have done a lot more, especially in in that fourth quarter, um, especially in the first half of the fourth quarter. So he was having trouble getting into the lane like they've done a really good job at sort of bogging him down when he gets in there dribbling the ball. And I think he only took. Yeah, he took one three pointer last night. Uh, So he knows that he shouldn't be shooting a bunch of threes. And Miami knows that. And they're just they're just taking advantage of his limitations. It's as simple as that. I think they, they are, man. And, and that's, that's spot on. I mean, you know, you watch going back to game one and you, you look at Jimmy Butler and Jimmy Butler was quiet. And I do think, you know, I really do think Wes Matthews did a really good job on him, mm-hmm. but you know, you kind of saw Jimmy Butler in that fourth quarter uh, in game two, he was, he, he was involved in the plays. You know what I mean, Brett? Like he was, Maybe he didn't get the assist, but he was he he had the hockey assist or he, he made was a big. Oh yeah, he was definitely he was definitely playmaking. Yeah, yeah. Whereas with Giannis, you know, you don't really like that. To me, that's that's the next step for him. And I would rather see him because uh, I watched I did watch the fourth quarter at home, and I would rather see him like straight up right. I would rather see him go to the hole and miss eight layups in a row than just kind of sit sit on the side or get the ball. You ever notice like you could tell like he. He doesn't know, I don't know how to describe this, but he doesn't like know when he should take over because you see him sometimes he'll get the ball on the wing after like a dribble handoff or something. And he's looking to initiate the offense instead of making a play. Like he's waiting for the next guy to cut or waiting for the next guy to come off, come off a down screen. And to me, like that's, it's just disappointing, man. Like you, you want to see him take over a little bit. And even, you know, for the people that kind of compare him to, I see a lot of people comparing him to or this Bucks team to LeBron's teams in Cleveland before Miami. And um, I understand why, why people do that. I, I do think this Milwaukee team is much better than any team that LeBron had in Cleveland pre pre going to Miami. But, you know, you saw LeBron's coming out party was against that Pistons team where he scored. I can't remember however many straight that he had. I think it was like 28 straight or something like that. Like in Giannis and LeBron, again, Giannis is 25. I want to, I want to kind of hammer that home. He He's got, a lot of time to figure this out. A lot of players, whether it was going back to Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kevin Durant, all these players have struggled and, and have faced this moment of like, holy shit, what am I, what kind of player am I going to be in crunch time? But I mean, like 
you just want to see Giannis. I don't even see him, Brett, like attempting to do anything. You know what I mean? Like, do, do you yeah. understand where I'm like? I like, do that. Yep, LeBron, yep, LeBron's like, going to LeBron's going to miss some shots. Um, you know, Kevin Durant's going to miss some shots. Even, you know, <laughs> I mean, we all know Russell Westbrook's going to miss some shots, but he all three of those guys aren't afraid of the big moment. And, and to me, and I'm not again, I'm not saying that Giannis is afraid of it. I think he's looking to make the right basketball play and and maybe that's part of it where he's thinking too much, but like dude, like my whole thing is you know, like motherfucker, you're Giannis. You're 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 the back-to-back MVP. You're the first player since I'm sorry. You're one of three players since Hakeem and Jordan to be MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season. Like at some point, you know, like it can't be. I think you hit it on the head, but it can't be a quiet 29 and 14. Like it needs to be a loud 29 and 14, or like maybe it's a block here or there or something like that. That is what as a Bucks fan, that's most disappointing to me. And again, this isn't, I'm not taking anything away from Miami. Like Miami is a really good team. And it, it, as far as matchup goes, it, it's a really, really difficult matchup for Milwaukee. But, you know, even game two, you know, you're looking at halftime. Man, dude, it's, he's got 10 points and people that probably didn't watch the game are going to be like, well, Steve, he had, you know, he had 19 second half points, but it was a very, very, very quiet 19. And 11 of those came, in the final three minutes when, you know, Miami was up 10 and Milwaukee went on like a, a little bit mini run, but I'm just concerned as a Bucks fan, if Giannis is going to be able to get over this mental thing in this series. I, and I, I really, I don't know if he figures this shit out, like this is going to be a series again. Like I can easily see Milwaukee coming back and tying the series up and then who knows what could happen. I, I, I don't know. I think the odds are, are against them, but I mean, do they, they they're more than capable to do this they just have to like rediscover like holy shit like we're a really good team as well and it all starts and ends with their best player i think they're gonna need someone else to step up and i know middleton was all right he had a pretty good game overall you know he had 23 points but he 11 of those were from the foul line i think you might need him to step up a little bit more because i'm just not sure Giannis is that guy that can do it all offensively They've proven, I think, whether it was in a couple of the regular season games or these first two games of this series, that they can contain him, right? They can't stop him completely, but they can definitely contain him. They're a very good defensive team, and they're very well equipped to guard him, and they're very well coached. And I'd like to see Middleton score more. I was wondering why Middleton only played 33 minutes and why they – why Bud – why Bud – had him sitting on the bench in the fourth quarter. He had, he pulled Giannis in the fourth. He had Middleton on the bench in the fourth when it was like a tie game. Like, I don't know what he's doing, why he's so afraid to play these guys 40 minutes. I, I, I don't get it. Is there something physically wrong with Giannis and Middleton, why they can't handle 40 minutes? Because, no, no. because they, because if you, if those two guys have each played 40 minutes, Milwaukee wins this game. There's no doubt in my mind. So well, that, that I did not understand because they had it tied in the fourth. And then it it slipped out of their hands real quick. And Middleton was on the bench that whole time when it went from like a tie game to to nine or seven. So that that seemed strange to me. That was one thing I just wanted to mention. Well, and, and to me though, and that's where we that's where I agree that we can handle Boone hammer Boonholzer on. I I mean I one hundred percent agree with that. I think you know in, in game three here, if Giannis and Middleton are playing forty minutes a game, either the Bucks are up by a lot or. Boonholzer just shitting the bed. I, I mean, and again, I don't want this this to sound like it's all about Giannis. Like, yes, there is 
Boonholzer deserves some blame for that. I, I don't understand it either. I'm guessing that he just trusts his guys, but I would like to see Milwaukee go to kind of an eight-man rotation. But, I mean, you say that Chris Middleton needs to step up, and, and I understand that. But to me, the reason that I think Milwaukee is struggling and they struggled in the bubble and they struggled now, I, I think it has to do with a certain second-year player, and his name is Dante DiVincenzo. Um, mm, another if, another horrible showing from, from Dante. If, yep. If you go back to pre-COVID, and we had conversations about this way back in the fall before we started our podcast, and we had conversations right in the beginning when we started this thing. Dante Vincenzo was really, really good. He filled into that Malcolm Brogdon role fantastically. And he, he averaged just under 10 points a game. I think he was averaging 20 minutes a game, somewhere along those lines. And actually, when Bledsoe missed 11 games, Dante DiVincenzo was a starter. And he did all the little things kind of that Malcolm Brogdon did early on. And by little things, I mean all of a sudden come out of nowhere to grab a rebound to keep a possession alive. A big steal here. Um, maybe he hit, he got to the hole and hit a layup or, or something. He did all the hustle plays. And since they've gotten to this bubble, he has been non-existent. I have no idea where he's been. And, and you look at his, his stat line last night, he, he played seven minutes. He was 0 for one. He had two assists, one steal and one foul. But I mean, this dude has just been non-existent. And if we're going to, if I'm going to hammer on Giannis, I mean, I, I have to put some of that blame on Dante as well, because the Dante we saw pre COVID from the Dante we've seen in the bubble, they're two completely different players. And I think that if if we if we had Dante pre bubble Dante, and I think these two games that we we saw the outcome is is a lot different. Yeah, yeah, he's he he was bad. I can't believe he only played seven minutes. Uh, and then and Connaughton was bad too. Both oh, of horrible. those guys. Horrible. Yeah, Con- Connaughton was rough. Uh, Marvin was pretty rough. Like you know, you look at their team, and I just I just think they're going to need somebody else to really step up. Whether that's Middleton. Or or maybe Bledsoe. I think Bledsoe has the capability to do even more. He was great in the first half. Um, he had definitely had some bad turnovers, but uh, I don't know how much more Giannis can do against this team because, like, okay, we we talked about it after game one. Make your free throws. For the most part, he did that. Yes, he missed two big ones, but for the most part, he did that. Shoot fewer threes. He did that as well. He only took one. You know, and he ended up scoring twenty nine points, but it still like wasn't enough because it's not so much what he's producing it's how he's producing uh is not going to be enough i don't think to beat this team Uh, so i think you've got to get a middleton to score 30 or a bledsoe to score 20 i I just don't know that Giannis is enough against this team i think he is enough in most matchups like he can be the guy and everyone else can be sort of secondary but i almost think middleton needs to be that needs to be like a 1a 1b situation in this in this series just in terms of scoring at least that that's fair but can can i let me let me counter that for a second so i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to put my optimistic hat on right now so it seemed like to me listening to the game and then watching it and and, and reading some articles afterwards in that first quarter the bucks got outscored 38 to 29 since the first quarter it in game 2 since last night the Bucks defense started to step up and they outscored Miami in every single quarter out the gate. Miami shot 17 for 45 from three and the Bucks shot only seven for 25 and they still only lost by two. To me, the one thing that the Bucks can control that is the careless 
turnovers. You know, it, it's one thing if you're driving and, you know, when Giannis does his spin move and Jimmy or Jay kind of get their hands in there and pop the ball out real quick, that necessarily doesn't really bother me too much, but it's the unforced turnovers. I, I mean, you saw one in, in the fourth quarter, you know, as you said, right when the fourth quarter started, Milwaukee takes the lead. Miami kind of goes on a little run, but Milwaukee's right there. They get a stop. Eric Bledsoe comes down and he does one of his jump passes and it's just mm-hmm. a terrible, it's a terrible pass. And of course, Doris goes, look at the play by Jimmy. I'm like, Doris, that was, that was a terrible <laughs> pass. Like he was, he was right there. And, and it's stuff like that. And I mean, again, man, I saw, you know, Ted Davis was going nuts on the radio because <laughs> top of the key, here comes, here comes a dribble handoff. And, you know, Brooke Lopez is just kind of like lollygating, just giving the ball to whichever player it was. And it's a turnover. If the Bucks cut down on some of that stuff, I think that they have a chance. I don't think that they're going to shoot seven for whatever from three again in a game. Well, I mean, they could, but I, I would I would bet against it. And to me, like they, they have to be able to control what they can control. And if the defense comes alive like it did yesterday, I mean, you look at in the second quarter, Miami scored 28. In the third quarter, they scored 24. And in the fourth quarter, they scored 26. If Milwaukee can play defense like that against Miami for four straight quarters, then they're going to have a chance. But if they're sitting here, like, again, in that first quarter, getting completely outcoached, like, I'm not going to let butt off the hook either, and having their players just not show up and play defense. Because, again, we we talk about how good of a defense Miami is. We talk about how they give Giannis troubles. That's great. But Milwaukee had the best regular season defense in the NBA. Like, they, they need to enforce on the defensive end and then the, the offense, it, it, eventually it's going to come. And, and they, they, again, they scored, what they score? They scored almost 100 or over 100, I think, in game one. And then yesterday they scored 114. Mm-hmm. To me, a lot of this starts on the defensive end. And a lot of this stuff is correctable. Again, I'm not taking anything away from Miami. I mean, Miami is a phenomenal team. And, and Jimmy Butler has that dog in him. And in the fourth quarter, that dude's going to show up. But there's a lot of things that Milwaukee can control. That, And we talked about it, Brett, it, before the playoffs even started the, the turnover. all of a sudden this team has turned into uh, a turnover machine and a lot of it's unforced and a lot of it is just laziness. And again, I, mm-hmm. people are going to say it's the bubble. I'm not going to make excuses for them. It, it, it's just pure and utter to me, at least pure and utter laziness that that needs to be corrected. And, and one final thing, mm-hmm. dude, I get that Kyle Korver is a really good player. But the fact that that dude is playing, he played 10 minutes. I know he hit three threes, but that dude on defense is just a fucking liability. He, he really is. I, I have no idea why Bud is playing him over. Maybe they give Sterling Brown a shot. I don't know, but they need mm. to do something on the back end of their rotation because Kyle Korver, every time he's on the floor, it just seems like he gets killed defensively. Yeah, he's as big of a liability as there is in the NBA defensively at this point. I mean, yeah, five years ago, he was probably an underrated defender. He actually was pretty, pretty solid. He's always had a pretty good IQ on that end. But at this point, um, he's just way too slow footed and, and he does get destroyed. Yeah, man. And about the turnovers, like, you know, they had uh, 14 as a team, which, you know, that's not horrible, generally speaking, but so many of them were just egregious unforced inexcusable turnovers so that's you know what i mean like they were just they they could have had eight or nine you know and they i didn't, bet you and i bet you brett i bet you mm-hmm. miami scored on like 85 percent of those turnovers i i bet you the points off turnovers i i think the, when i was in the car the last i checked i think it was like 13 and and milwaukee had like six turnovers so i'm sure that number 
I'm sure that number went up, but, but you're right. I'm sorry to interrupt. Keep going. No, not at all, man. Not at all. And then, you know, <laughs> we should probably talk about the end of the game. So, <laughs> so it was, it was, um, Miami was up nine with like a minute and 40 to go. Yep. yep. Like, so at that point I thought it was over. That's when I posted that, that thing in the group, man, my little joke about Giannis. Like I, I, I thought, that. I know, I know, man, you know, oh, I'm just, well, no, I mean, it's all, it's all in good fun. But I, so I thought like that's when I posted that. And I thought the game was over like at that point, like there's no way. And, uh, and then it just, you know, obviously a, a crazy and very well documented at this point series of events led to the, where Jimmy Butler threw the ball away. That was the one I think Giannis got a dunk yes, to cut it yes. to four. And then the heat decided not to call a timeout on the inbounds under their basket. They throw it to Jimmy Butler. He gets trapped. He decides not to call a timeout. I believe they had two timeouts at that point. So I don't know why he didn't call one. Um, and then he throws it under his own basket, like blindly just lobs it up. And then Brooke catches it and scores and cuts it to two. And then and then they call timeout. And then Jimmy gets fouled, hits one free throw, puts him up three. And then Milwaukee gets the ball off a timeout <laughs> from the sideline. And that, that's where it really gets crazy. And I just because you had mentioned Doris Burke's like uh, endless positivity before when, when they were talking about, I think the the uh, play-by-play guy asked her, um, you know, who, so who should take the last shot? And she's going through it like, oh, well, George Hill's, you know, good and big moments and Middleton's a great shooter. And Giannis, Giannis just takes, takes so long to get into his shot. Like she couldn't just say like Giannis is not a good shooter. Like yeah, he's not shooting it. the three. She had to be like, well, if only he didn't take so long to get into his motion. Like she, she tried to even sugarcoat that. But, uh, and so then obviously it goes to Middleton and that, I thought that foul was extremely questionable on Goran sure. Dragic. For sure. Like, right? I mean, do you do you agree that that was a pretty bad yeah. call? Yeah, it was. But and, but that goes on to you know it, we give I give my old buddy Chris Weber a lot of shit. But I remember when when, when he was doing the round one games and he's like, the refereeing has been fantastic. I'm like, bro, what are you watching? Yeah. I thought the refereeing not only in in this game but in the in the the Houston OKC game was terrible. Oh God! Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, it's been really bad. And you know, my my dad called me right after the game, and he he was all fired up, and he, I had to calm him down. And he, and again, not making excuses for the bubble, but if that game is in Milwaukee, like how it's supposed to be, that's not a foul on against Jimmy. But, uh, the Giannis isn't like he's not. They're not going to get that call. And, oh, that la- on the last play? No way. The last play. No it, way. I and think I, this has shown how much the fans influence the refs because I agree, man. I think the officiating's been horrendous in the bubble and and one thing specifically i've noticed is it's a lot of really late whistles when you're in a loud arena and a guy gets clobbered or steps out of bounds or whatever they're calling the fans react immediately and i think the refs really do go off that because now it's like there's this little delay Uh, so you're seeing a lot of late whistles and then yeah there's no way they call that foul on Giannis in milwaukee there's just no way now that was a bullshit call too like that was in my opinion, that is not a foul you call, but I don't know what Giannis was doing on that. Well, I don't know why he was over there. You pointed out what a great job Wes Matthews did on Jimmy Butler all game long. He was right there. Like Giannis did not need to lunge into the play like that and, and try to contest the shot. I didn't understand that from, well, that, from was gonna be, that was going to be my second point. You know, like it wasn't a foul, but if Giannis doesn't go over there and help, Jimmy Butler's still missing that shot. <laughs> like there's, yeah. there's not a doubt in my mind, but 
to your point though, and again, the the better the right team won game two. The right team was supposed to win game two. They won game two. But just on that last foul, um, Mike Lynch from on Twitter at Sports Info twenty four seven. Listen to this stat, Brett. Mm-hmm. An NBA game has not been decided on a free throw with time expired since Rolando Blackman on March fourth, nineteen ninety one. Before that, wow. bef- no, oh, it gets better. Before that, it happened relatively often. This is the first playoff game decided on a free throw with time expired since Larry Wright led the Bullets over the Sonics in Game One of the nineteen seventy nine Finals. So, wow! So, so you take all that into account, right? You take all that at the end of the day, and this is going to be my second point. At some point, Giannis either has to start bitching to the officials like Chris Paul does because he needs to start getting some respect on some of this stuff. Like there is, if that's LeBron, they don't call that foul. If if that's Harden, they don't call that foul. And Tom Habistro had this awesome, awesome stat that I'm sure Miami knows about it. And, And again, they're playing them really well. But in the last two seasons, two seasons, so since Budenholzer's been the head coach, offensive fouls committed. Giannis has 152, and the next closest is James Harden at 101. And I understand that Giannis is is physical, and he he gets into the lane. At some point, man, that dude needs to start demanding that the refs ref him like he's the MVP. And I think that's another step that he kind of has to figure out. I don't I don't know how he does it, but I mean, he needs to start getting respect from the refs. Again, this isn't me bitching about the refereeing the, again the right team won that game i i yeah I, I, there's no doubt in my mind but Giannis needs to start fucking getting pissy with these refs and demanding that like hey man this dude's following me and you look at when mm. when budenholzer has to you had to use that challenge to get Giannis away from his fourth foul like that was a bullshit call again like he, oh yeah he's just it, it, and it reminds me of Shaq. And I wanted it before we we go here and we talk about the Steve Nash hiring. I, I wanted to get your opinion on something. Uh-huh. And we're gonna we're gonna talk about this more. I'm sure you you Jacob and I'll do <laughs> we'll do a podcast if and when the Bucks are eliminated from the playoffs or or if they win the title. Fingers still crossed. Hang in, hang in there, Bucks and Six fans. Don't jump off the ledge. Just hang in there. <laughs> hang in there. Hang in there. So uh, Blake Foster, he 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 kind of came over with us from from the ringer had a very interesting comparison. And I want to get your thoughts on this after, after Richard Jefferson said, kind of Giannis needed a Pippen. He, he kind of came in and said, Giannis is more like KG than anything. And I thought that was a really, it's a comp that I never really thought of before. And I thought it was really interesting to me because while I do think these bucks teams are more talented than, than the Minnesota teams that KG was on. It's really interesting because I think, you know, you put KG with, with Paul Pierce and 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 Ray Allen, and all of a sudden they win this title. They go to they go to two finals. Like KG, like he, he's dominant. Do you, do you think like eventually like Giannis is going to? He's I guess just just what do you think of that comp? I think it's an interesting comp. I definitely think there's something to it where it's like like I think we can agree that KG was a higher level player than Pippen, right? Yes. yes. Um, Pippen was was like a true number two guy, right? KG was always the best player on the team, even with the Celtics, but he wasn't their number one guy. And this almost goes back to what we were talking about with Anthony Davis, where Anthony Davis, he can be your best player probably on a championship team, but I don't think he can be your number one option. And I'm not saying that's necessarily the case with Giannis, 
But I do think it's worth considering that he might be better suited as, you know, the absolute best player on the team, defensive player of the year, in the same way as Garnett. But maybe he needs like a Paul Pierce, like a guy who's clearly, you know, who's not at his level because you're not going to be able to pair Giannis with another guy that's at his level. He's too good. It's just that that just doesn't happen. There aren't any, there really isn't anyone at his level um, right. short of like maybe Kawhi, but uh, you know, if Middleton could maybe be a little bit more of an aggressive scorer, that kind of gets back to what I was saying there too, where maybe that's what Giannis needs because again, like Giannis overall, he's a dominant offensive player and KG was too, but I think in spots, they both lack, assertiveness and whether it's you brought up with Giannis um, sort of taking it from a dribble handoff on the wing and kind of looking to defer KG had his spots where he wasn't as assertive as we'd like to see either so I don't hate that comparison I definitely like it a lot better than the Pippen comparison and I think I might like it better than the Shaq comparison that he gets a lot too even though you know we all know that they're very different players but I think people like to compare their their sort of dominance and just the numbers they put up but you know he's his own thing obviously but um, but yeah, no, I, that's 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 not a bad comparison. So I I agree, and 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 one of the things I think again, I want to save most of this conversation for when the when the buck season is actually over. But I think that if I'm, um, you know what, I'm gonna save it. I, I'm we'll, we'll 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 table that if I'm John Horst conversation until until after this, because again, man, I still I'm not off the ledge yet i i i I think that i'm kind of teetering a little bit but i do think some of this stuff it just seems like again not taking anything away from miami but it just feels like milwaukee is just shooting themselves in the foot and they're digging themselves a hole and all game long they have to try to come out of it so i mean can i bring up two like two really quick things too that i just i didn't hit up first of all the disparity in three-point attempts i think is glaring where miami took 45 three-pointers and milwaukee only took 25 I don't think you can win a basketball game against a team that shoots threes even remotely well, let alone as well as Miami, when it's a 45 to 25 disparity in attempts. That's just not going to fly. I know three-point shooting is not their greatest strength, but uh, they need to take more than 25 if Miami's taking 45. Right. I do, but I, it, I think that uh-huh. in that, though, I think Miami, not to cut you off, I think Miami did a really good job of forcing Milwaukee. I mean, Milwaukee took 33 twos in, in the non-restricted area, and I, I think I think some of that is wow. credit to Miami. I, I think yeah. I think Miami, they, they did a really good job, but I, I'm sorry, Brett, continue. No, and you're, and you're absolutely right about that, too. That's that's half of the equation with that, for sure. Um, uh, you know, and then and then just to echo what you said, man, about the the better team winning or the more deserving team winning, I agree completely. That, you know, Miami had that game. It was pretty miraculous that Milwaukee was yeah. able to tie the game when they did. You know, we outlined that what exactly what happened. And it was it was basically a miracle that it even got to that point. So in that sense, like I do feel like the more deserving team won. That was Miami's game. Miami outplayed them for most of the game. But uh, the thing I really didn't like about that last call on Giannis is that the game was tied. And I think that's what the refs need to take into consideration before they decide to blow their whistle or before they even think about blowing their whistle. That game is tied. Don't call that foul. Let them sort it out in overtime. Let them play to win in overtime. So I absolutely, I think that was more of a foul than the Dragic one. 
but I absolutely hated both calls. And I might have hated the call on Giannis even more because it was as time expired in a tie game. Let them go to OT. That's the way it should be. So very disappointed in the refs in that one and, and also in the other game. But um, I agree, man. I, I agree. And, you know, two things before we get to Steve Nash. I do love, I really, really love the Milwaukee connection in this entire series. You have the Bucks, you have Tyler Hero, who, shout out to Whitnell. You have Wes Matthews, Jimmy Butler, and Jay Crowder that all went to Marquette. I, I just, it's fucking awesome. I, 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 lo- I love that set. They play, they play in the Pfizer forum. I love Marquette, dude. It, it, it's really cool. And again, man, if I will absolutely, I promise you though, Brett, I will lose my shit. On Friday, if Giannis and Chris Middleton don't play 40 minutes, I literally will lose my mm-hmm. shit. I might break my phone. I I, I will go ape shit because to me, I mean, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. They, they did a lot of, again, Miami is the deserving team. Miami deserves to be up to nothing. They absolutely deserve it. And if they beat Milwaukee in the series, they deserve it. The better team moved on. The more deserving team moved on. But I just think if Milwaukee can stop fucking shooting themselves in the foot, especially in that first quarter and get in game two, and if they figured something out defensively, I, I think they got a shot. And it's going to be – it'll be interesting. I am going out tonight to get absolutely hammered to forget about games one and two. Um, <laughs> the wife is, is, is driving. But let, let's, let, let's talk real quick, spend the last couple of minutes. Um, the Brooklyn Nets hire Steve Nash, I didn't see it coming. I was stunned. Um, you know, obviously, right away, you, you know that I'm going to guess that Kevin Durant wanted this. And he kind of convinced Kyrie to be on board with this. So, I mean – Quickly, Brett, uh, give me your thoughts on what what you think of this hire and and how good can Brooklyn be? How far can Steve Nash take them? Well, yeah, first of all, Kevin Durant definitely had a lot to do with this. Uh, He and Steve Nash are close. Steve Nash has been a player development consultant in Golden State since 2015. I believe he was a big part of why, or at least a contributor to, to bringing Kevin Durant to Golden State. And I know that they were really close. Kevin Durant has spoken very highly of him in the past. I saw an interview today where Durant said Nash was probably the most brilliant basketball mind that he's ever been around. (laughs) So you have a guy who, you know, was the best player in the league a couple years ago before he got hurt anyway, calling Steve Nash the most brilliant basketball mind he's ever been around. I mean, come on, like. So I think it's a great hire, you know, because of that, because of what he said, Steve Nash is a brilliant basketball mind. There's no question about that. Anybody who watched him play knows that Um, he's a two-time MVP because he was such a brilliant basketball mind. And he was a leader on the floor, a coach on the floor, an extension of the coach, a guy that always got along with his teammates, a guy that everybody loves. You never hear anybody say a bad word about Steve Nash. He has a great reputation. So yeah, he's a first-time coach. But he, it's not like he's been away from the league. He's been very involved, not only involved, but involved with the best team of the decade. So I think he checks a lot of boxes. And I think it's a great hire. And look, as far as how far he can take them, that remains to be seen. I'm really optimistic. I, I think he is going to be a great coach. Uh, and I think they have a lot of talent on that team. If Kevin Durant can be you know, 80% of the player he was and Kyrie can get back to full health and they figure out a way to fit Karis Levert in with those two. I think a Lou Williams type of sixth man role would be perfect for him. I think they could be really good. I think they could be a top three or four team in the East easily. I think they probably will be, but, but we'll have to see, but I just think it's a, it's a really good hire. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Sean Marks also had a relationship with Steve Nash. They were teammates, I believe with the Suns. So, and it's, it's an exciting hire, man. Like that has to count for something. 
where, you know, teaming up KD and Kyrie was a really exciting thing, but KD didn't play all year. Kyrie missed a ton of games. So some of the excitement kind of died down around that franchise. And this is a great way to boost it. You know, you look at some of the other guys they could have hired. This is way more exciting. This is going to get people fired up. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense. He's, I, I like to think of coaches as having upside, you know, especially like, like unproven I coaches, like right? I, I like think it. Steve Nash has a lot of upside, right? We don't know. I mean, maybe it, maybe it won't work out, but you have to love his upside. And just like when you're looking at a, a potential draft pick with high upside or a young player with high upside, I think you've got to look at young coaches with high upside. And I think Steve Nash has as much, much upside as anybody that's available as a coach. So we'll see. I'm really excited about it. I think it's a great hire. Um, that just like, it just put a smile on my face when I saw Chase posted that. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Like, let's go. Dude, I am fascinated. I cannot wait. I'm excited just for the Kyrie Steve Nash relationship. I, it's oh, going to yeah. be fucking fascinating to watch. I, I can't, I can't wait. I, I'm just, I echo everything you said. I'm just as excited as, as you are. I immediately thought, Oh shit. Brooklyn, I know it's different regimes, different ownership, different different front offices. Man, do they love hiring point guards with no coaching experience. You know, they had, <laughs> they had Jason Kidd and now and now Steve Nash. I mean, dude, it, it it's going to be fascinating. It's, and I It's similar. Yeah, it, it that, that that's interesting. I'll just touch on that real quick, man, cuz people kind of keep bringing that up as like and, and look, I still think Kid can be a really good head coach. Oh, like, no, I'm not, no, I'm not, no. I, I, I know, I know, I know. I, we won't, we don't have to get into it, but I'm not totally out on Kid. But I think, because uh, they had like a similar level of basketball IQ, right? And that was sort of the their main qualification coming in. I think they have that in common at least. But I just think Nash has a much different personality, a much different demeanor, a much better way of communicating. He's much more well-liked, obviously, than Kid. Kid would rub people the wrong way when he was in the league. Like you never saw that with Nash. So I think he's going to really be like a unifying factor for this team i i think it's great man i i know that jock vaughn is going to be there he's the i think what what we what did we read that he's the highest paid assistant um in, in basketball right now i think that'll be really good for steve nash i hope steve nash maybe hires uh dirk nowitzki as his head as an assistant head coach and maybe get michael finley there too i saw that picture the other day it just i, I loved it um i'm excited man and and i'm just the the behind the scenes stuff is going to be fascinating i can't wait for you know, people to write articles about this, and clearly, like you, like you alluded to, this is all Kevin Durant. I think, at least, I, I mean, that you, this has Kevin Durant written all over it. I'm sure that he wanted him. You know, he was consulted, and I'm sure him and him and Kyrie had conversations about it. And it's going to be exciting, man. I mean, I, it's almost like I, I know we're 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 in the middle of the playoffs, but I already, you know, there's a lot of cool storylines. I mean, what are the Knicks yeah. going to do? What are the Knicks going to do? They still haven't hired a head coach yet. I mean, it's no. it, Philly. It, Football, dude. <laughs> and one, I wanted to echo too what you said, man. Just about the the Nash and Kyrie thing. Like I didn't mention that at first, but but you're right, man. That's I think that's going to be a really I think that's a really big part of it too of, of the appeal of bringing Nash in. Because if you look at Kyrie, what you want from him is for him to become more of a playmaker, more of a distributor. You know, like where when he was with LeBron, he became more of a kind of like a secondary creator, more of a, a shooter, a scorer, because LeBron has the ball in his hands and LeBron is such a great playmaker and distributor. So, And then with the Celtics, Kyrie took on a little bit more of that traditional point guard role, but he didn't really have the horses alongside him to maximize it. Now he's got Durant and, and even a guy like Levert who can score a lot. And 
I think now is when you really want him to become that true pure point guard. And I mean, Steve Nash is like the ultimate point guard in that sense. And and I think uh, I, I'm hoping that he sort of helps Kyrie make that transition from score first to pass first, to put it simply. I agree, man. I, I 100% agree with what you're saying. And real quick, just because you touched on Philly, it got me. It, I, I, what the what the fuck is Joel? And, oh, there's. I, I'm in an undisclosed location, everybody. Don't just ignore what that was. Um, I'm on my lunch break. Can we talk about Joel Embiid just just for, just for one minute? This fucking dude got swept out of the first round, and he's sitting at home tweeting about how much he misses Jimmy Butler and how good of a dude Jimmy Butler is. Dude, Joel Embiid, shut the fuck up. Just shut up. You could have spoken up. You could have kept Jimmy and said you didn't. You, I'm so sick of Philly. Fuck, fuck, fuck them. Fuck, 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 fuck Philly. All right, but that. <laughs> that, that we'll leave it. We'll leave it at that, man. I didn't even know Embiid was. Was tweeting about that stuff, but it doesn't surprise me. Oh, dude. Um, that's that's on brand for that guy, man. Just, so yeah, dude doesn't take anything seriously. But that's <laughs> it for me, Bucks fans. You saw my rant and the overstated NBA group. We're gonna be fine. We've been through we've been through way worse than this. And you can't be down. You can't have Bucks and six as our slogan if you don't lose two games. They just decided to get it out of the way early. We're gonna be okay. Giannis is gonna figure it out. Just if you want optimism. Skip this entire pod and just go to the 49-minute mark. This is going to be our optimism. We got this. We're going to get drunk today. We're going to forget the last week ever happened. We're going to definitely drink on Friday because we don't have to work on Saturday. We're going to rip some shots. We're going to be good. We're going to be all right. We, we, we've got this. We're, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. With that being said, Brett, awesome talking to you again, my friend. We, we, I like how we're just churning out these pods now, man. We're just doing it. We're just doing it. Hell yeah, man. This one was a lot of fun and, and all of these have been. So, you know, why not, man? Anytime you want to do this, of course, just just let me know, man. The more the better, man. We can always make it work. I, I love it. I, like I said, I'm, in a, I'm recording in an undisclosed location. I had to keep it somewhat <laughs> professional, but I promise you, if they lose on Friday, you know, even if they went out, regardless of what happens on Friday, if Brett and I decide to do an emergency pod, I promise you all I will be hammered and there will be lots, lots of yelling. <laughs> Lots of it. With that, let's go, Brett. As always, buddy. Everybody, thank you for subscribing. Come to our come to our Facebook group, the Overstated NBA group, and yeah, keep supporting us. And we uh, we've got some new exciting ideas. So we'll talk to you guys soon. Bucks and six. See you, Brett.